shaping the culture. We talk both culture and theology. Hey, folks, is reading that Bible. We don't claim to have all the answers. Well, I don't know how to word this, but that doesn't stop us from having honest conversation. <laughs> What is up, y'all? Hope all is well with you guys. Uh, hope you're having a good week. <laughs> hope you had a great Easter. Celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. One time for the one time for Jesus. Giving us hope. Giving us faith. Giving us victory. Um, I'm going to get off my soapbox. Yeah, so I, I, I'm I excited about today's episode. Um, but before we really get into it, I got some announcements for you guys. So next week, when we release the, the episode we have for you guys, it's going to be a little different. I know last season we had told you guys that um, we will start uploading YouTube clips as well. And so next week's episode, not only will you get uh, an audio uh, version that you usually get, whether it's iTunes or um, SoundCloud, I don't know, wherever you go to digest the content we release but we'll also have video content for you guys on YouTube and that we're really excited about. And so that will be next episode. And I'm going to say this God willing, because I know we had a lot of different plans. I know even the rollout we had for this season was a little different. Um, not, you know, wasn't as expect. We didn't roll it out as we expected to, uh, or hope that we would. Um, but it's all good. God is faithful. God is so good. And uh, so, yeah, so God willing next week, we'll get a YouTube um, we'll get a YouTube video and we'll also, um, uh, put it on all stream, uh, podcast streaming, um, spaces as well. And so we're excited about that. Listen, all our guests are special. All our guests bring something unique to the table, but I'm telling you guys, you do not want to miss next week's episode. This is, this is one, uh, I've been waiting on for a minute a minute. This this is months in the making. I want to say like six, seven months in the making, Um, but God is faithful and in God's time, everything uh, worked out. So be on the lookout for next week's episode. Uh, Today's episode is going to be quite interesting. Um, We're going to get into something that, you know, is not really a popular thing in our culture. It's not really known. Um, We're going to be talking about the, the secular sacred divide. Um, or the sacred-secular divide. Uh, and uh, usually when that gets brought up, at least in conversations that I have or uh, in in conversations that I engage in, uh, people don't really know what that is. They're like, what is that? So I got to stop and kind of give them context. And so um, our guest for today will kind of define that for us, and then we'll kind of unpack that for you guys today. But I do want to kind of uh, start off by, by saying, uh, you know, this is going to probably be, I, I don't want to assume this is for everybody, but for, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that for most of our listeners, this is probably going to be something that they're new to. And so I just want to put it out there. Please, 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 please do not hesitate to ask questions. Uh, we don't want to confuse anybody. Uh, we don't want people to feel like... Um, uh, just discouraged or we don't want people thinking this is way over their head or we don't want uh, to to hurt anybody either. So if, if we say anything or, or, or uh, communicate something or something is expressed that you might even disagree with, hey, we're welcome to have a conversation with you. Please, you know where to find me on my socials. And uh, our guest for today, um, he's, he's no guest, really. I might just make him uh, co-host. I don't know. But he's got his own thing going on. Uh, but it's going to be Pastor Neb. Pastor Neb is going to be with us today. And I just really trust his voice. He's, a, he's, he's an amazing leader, phenomenal pastor, uh, a, a better husband, father, uh, somebody I really look up to. 
and uh, I, I go to. He's, he's a trusted uh, person for me. And uh, whenever I have questions, he's the first person I reach out to. And so I, I trust um, that this conversation will be fruitful. And I, and I know that this will be beneficial. And the, the heart behind this conversation is really to help us navigate in culture, uh, and you know, one of the, you know, shaping the culture, right? That's the name of the podcast. One of the aims has always been, uh, what would it look like for us to uh, live in a world where uh, we're not um, limited by or hindered um, or um, coerced into a, a way of thinking, a way of living that is um, not consistent with our faith. That's not consistent with what God would have for us as His followers of Jesus, as followers of Him. And so uh, when we talk about what it looks like to be in the world, but not of the world today, that's the objective is, okay, how do we shape the culture uh, that God would de- desire for us? What is a biblical worldview? What is a biblical um, uh, lens in which we can digest and engage the world that God has placed us in? And so that is a heart for today. So uh, we're just going to get right into it. Uh, here we go. So Pastor Neb, how are you doing today? Doing well, doing well, brother. Uh, to be back, yeah, on the show. It's, uh, it's glad to be here. Yeah, I mean, you're not a guest anymore. We're, we're gonna make you. Pro- we'll probably have you as a co-host now. Like three episodes <laughs> in. <laughs> I heard that. Yeah, yeah. We, we love having you on here. Uh, when you do visit Shaping the Culture, we do get a lot of great feedback, and so people benefit a great deal from having you on here. So thanks for joining us once more. No, I appreciate you, brother, especially, and uh, I'm really a big supporter and fan of uh, you and just God's work in your life personally and your ministry, and I'm just thankful for you and uh, just having this friendship. It's really just one more excuse and a chance to fellowship together with you and to be able to uh, be a part of... uh, what you're doing in addition to everything else on your plate uh, with this podcast. It's just, it's just great uh, to be here again and to be connected in this way. My prayer is that I'm all about just hoping uh, by God's grace to bring value to mm. any discussion. Uh, that's, that's my main thing. How can I bring value to the conversation? If we could succeed at that, I, could, I feel like it was a bit that's good. That's good. Well, thank you for so much, so much for that. That means a lot. You, you got me teary eyed over here. Uh, we're not even five minutes into the episode, um, but no, I really, you know, the feelings are mutual. Yeah, feelings are definitely mutual. And as I was sharing before, you know, you're you're somebody I, I look up to and in a lot of respects want to be like. And so, thank you for. Uh, being a trailblazer and uh, being an, an example and following Christ and being faithful on in every avenue, whether it's ministry or as a as a father, as a husband, um, we're taking notes. And uh, you're you're a go to guy for me. You know that you're somebody I uh, look to for advice. And so thank you for being uh, somebody that's uh, willing to listen and, and pour into me as well. So thank you so much. Yeah. So let, let's get into it. Um, so. This episode, we'll be talking about the the sacred secular divide, um, and so I, you know, one of the biggest questions we get on the podcast is, "Hey, what is your view on secular music? Is it okay? It's, is it not okay?" Um, it's actually interesting. I even um, have a few people that reached out all the way from Ethiopia, and I guess out there in Ethiopia, it's a huge conversation right now. It's a polarizing conversation, and so. 
uh, they reached out and they were like, hey, uh, what's your take on this? And uh, we kind of want to understand. Um, we, we noticed that, you know, you kind of engage in that a little bit or you listen to um, certain artists. And so uh, how does a Christian navigate that? And so I thought instead of just answering that question or getting into that uh, topic before we do that, we should kind of give a con like a broader context to kind of help us understand even why we see secular music the way we do. And it, it led to this conversation on the sacred secular divide. And so I, my first question to you would be, what, what does that even mean, right? For those who've never um, heard that or are unfamiliar with the, 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 the phrase or the, 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 the saying, uh, what, what is the sacred secular divide? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Uh, and it's a big question. Um, mm-hmm. um, meaning there's so many directions you can go with that. And um, there's so many things that can be said with respect to Oh, sorry about my background. Um, um, okay. The word, the word, the word "secular" uh, actually comes from a Latin word, "secular," which has to do with this world or pertaining to this world or of this world. Yeah. And so we're basically asking a question about pitting uh, the word "secular" up against uh, "sacred" or that which is holy or other. Right. And it is a common question that's often asked. We get it asked repeatedly. I mean, it was a question, it's a question of arts. Mm-hmm. Does the Bible make any sort of distinction uh, between the secular and the sacred? We tend to, um, from my perspective, from my observation, I've noticed over the years, anytime this conversation is entered into, we tend to categorize things um, in two categories, often spoken of, are secular and sacred. By sacred, we we usually mean Christian-themed, quote-unquote, or yeah. let's say, quote-unquote, suitable for our church use. Um, mm. And by secular, like I said, we usually mean worldly or not having a Christian theme. Right. So we speak of secular music versus sacred music, for one example. Yeah. So sacred music has overt Christian themes, and secular music would be kind of like everything else we yeah. would talk about. Yeah. Now... Does the Bible distinguish between secular and sacred realms? In a sense, yeah, it does. Mm. The Bible does speak of those who are, let's say, set apart, or they're sanctified. Yeah. You, you hear that kind of language in the New Testament yeah. for like special for special use or for special purposes. Now, the very word church itself, uh, ecclesia, although it, it can't be etymolo- etymologically broken down into the called out ones, yeah. It has more to do with the assembled ones or the gathered ones. Yeah. But no doubt, in order for the church to be the church, they're no longer a part of the world. Yeah. So we're the people who comprise the church. We're, we're a sacred people, right? And mm-hmm. so we're, we're called out of the world and set apart for God. Even in Romans chapter 1, there's a place in, uh, that's made mention of where Paul refers to the Roman Christians there as called to be saints or called mm-hmm. to be sacred, right? Yeah. So we're salt and we're light in the world, to borrow Jesus' language in Matthew chapter 5. But let's say, now in another sense, no. My answer to that question. Mm. The Bible doesn't distinguish between secular and sacred. Mm. To be mm. honest, all, all, creation, all creation belongs to God. Yeah. It's all God's. Yeah. Right. And yeah. one day all creation will be restored to God. Yeah. And we find that language in Romans chapter eight. 
so we know that God placed all things under Christ's feet, as Ephesians puts it, right? Yeah. And appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body and the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. You don't seem to see any sort of secular sacred thing there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It seems to all be belong to Jesus yeah. as a result of what he did. So he did this so that God may be all in all, uh, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15. In other words, if I could put it this way, all peoples, all cultures, and authorities will one day, even though it may not look like, like that right now, mm-hmm. one day it's going to be brought completely under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. And this goes to a famous quote by a well-known uh, theologian, pastor, and, and a statesman. I don't know if, you're, if your audience is familiar with him. They could look him up, Abraham Kuyper. Mm-hmm. He's well-known for a quote that he mentioned of when he was wrestling with the whole question of the secular and sacred divide. And he came up with this quote, and he said this, there is not a square inch mm-hmm. in the whole domain of our human existence mm-hmm. over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine, mm. end quote. Mm. Mm. You hear that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just powerful. It's a powerful quote. Yeah. So Christians engaging the culture should do so with a view to that end, to that end. So for the Christian in the workplace, it should not matter whether or not he's in vocational Christian ministry. Maybe we'll get to that one day, right? That quote, full-time ministry, we say. Yeah. Even a secular job can be a sacred ministry for the Lord. Yeah, Paul in Colossians chapter 3 even tells us, whatever you do, what, let me say that again, whatever you do. Yeah, come on. Work, work, work at it with all your heart. Amen? Amen, yeah. Yeah, as, as working for the Lord. You see, you're not working for your employer, whoever it was that interviewed you and hired you. <laughs> no, as for the Lord, not for human masters or human employers in our day, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a, res- as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So, you see, everything we do from work to our relationships to our hobbies to... <laughs> Eating and drinking yeah. is to be done for the glory of God. And that's 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Yeah. So when we compartmentalize our lives into secular and sacred, um, Pastor Ebenezer, yeah. categories, I, my, fear is, my fear is that we risk relegating um, quote-unquote church stuff to Sundays and thinking the rest of the week belongs to us yeah. to live as we please. As we please. Yeah. But that's not biblical. That's not biblical. We need, as pastors especially, we need to help our people to know how to bridge their Sunday worship with their Monday work mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, we're to love the Lord with a whole heart. Yeah. We're to serve the Lord with all our strength, not just what's left over after we take care of, you know, the secular activities. Yeah. So yeah. this means this means that even as we move through our daily routines, we can honor the Lord yeah. and perform our mundane tasks for His sake. The secular can be infused with the sacred. Mm. That's, that's my thing. I, I don't I don't think there's any reason to to separate them um, in an unhealthy fashion. And there is a word of wisdom here, though. Yeah. Some categorization 
categorization. So somebody may be hearing me and they may have questions. And let me anticipate that question. Yeah. I do think some categorization is good and necessary in life. Yeah. I don't think we must not confuse the purposes of the various institutions in society. Yeah. God created a, a few of them. He instituted family in Genesis 2, yeah. 1 and 2. The institution of family, and he instituted the institution of, of government, if you will, or mm -hmm. the secular realm, if you will. Mm -hmm. In Romans chapter 13, we see that. The powers that be are ordained of God, right? Mm -hmm. And then he instituted um, um, the church, and we see that through uh, his blood, right? Um, yeah. Acts chapter 20, by Jesus' blood, he purchased the church, mm -hmm. right? He mm -hmm. bought us. Yeah. Um, a new covenant he ratified through his blood, which is what the cup symbolized, right? So we want to make sure we don't confuse them. God has cast the church, for example, with spreading the gospel, discipling believers, mm. and blessing the culture. It mm. is immersed in. Yeah. The church has a sacred purpose of gracefully, lovingly, patiently pointing the society to Christ. Yeah. But God has also tasked the state, on the other hand, with restraining evil, punishing wrongdoers, rewarding the righteous through the execution of justice, right? So yeah. we, we don't we don't want to make sure that we're giving the responsibility to certain areas that a responsibility that only belongs to other areas. Yeah. That's what I would say. That's good. Man, there's a lot that you unpacked there. Um, trying to figure out where to take it from here. Let me let me ask you this. I, I think you did a great job of distinguishing, you know, the the reality that we are uh, supposed to be set apart, right? The call to holiness is to be set apart. Um, but um, along those lines, we're also called to be in culture, right? We're supposed to be in the world as well. Um, how do we know what, you know, even this idea of everything belonging to the Lord, that there's nothing um, in this earth that God doesn't have uh, dominion over? Uh, how do we, what does that look like practically? Because I know, you know, it's easier to, uh, digest the, the the reasoning to go to school because school we see as a good necessity and we don't really even call it a secular thing even though I, I think it is a secular thing uh, by definition uh, but like even uh, differentiating between okay um, this is good in, 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 in the secular world this is bad in the secular world like how do we know like what what's the I, I know like this is not uh, you know you know we're not trying to promote legalism in, in no way shape or form but um, how do we how do we um, how do we navigate in the secular world in a way that honors God um, how do we you know put uh, you know what are the limitations what are the the boxes what are um, the hindrances that um, we should put on ourselves or maybe we shouldn't when it comes to uh, being in a secular world and understanding that as Christians we're supposed to be infused in the world that God has dominion over I think the way that we first do that is by having an established intact identity mm-hmm Mm -hmm. um, the more we know who we are and whose we are, yeah. the, the, the greater the contribution that we will make to our society, mm. right? And to our workplaces and to our community. And I think when we fail to know who we are and whose we are, then we struggle and we, we're like somebody who woke up late at night for a drink of water, groping in the dark for the light switch, mm. right? We're just attempting, mm. hoping 
that we're on the right track. Mm. And I, I believe that, that that is not needed when God has given us his word and he has given us, a, he's articulated in his word what our purpose is. You see, it all begins with the fact that we're made in the image of God. Yeah. So it all starts with there. The way we answer that question is by understanding, number one, I am an image bearer of God, whether I'm a man or a woman. Mm-hmm. And what image means is I was created to mirror. Mm. I was created to mirrors reflect. I was created to reflect God and the glory of God in all that I do. I was created to know him and to share in that glory. I am, we are God's earthly representation on the earth. He put us on this earth to crush it, if you will. Right? He said, look, be fruitful, multiply, subdue, have dominion. He's like, get out there and crush it. Crush it. Right? To the glory of God. Right? Yeah. And so... I, I do get the question, though, because what makes it complicated is the fact that we live on this side of the fall. Yeah. And therefore, yeah. we live in a... Not only are we messed up, the world we live in is messed up. Yeah. And, and, and therefore, even though sin has been introduced into the world, and we're fallen, even though redeemed creatures, um, it, 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 it's still difficult trying to figure out, you know, we realize even though sin has left its stain. We're still image bearers of God. That, yeah. Though marred, it's not erased. Yeah. So what I would what I would say is, the first place we want to invest our time is in understanding just exactly what does it mean to be an image bearer of God, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Not only was I made in the image of God, I was made in the image of a God who is a worker. Mm-hmm. My my Creator is a worker. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I not only have a God who's, who's who made me. He made me after his image, and I need to acquaint myself with him. He was, he's busy. Mm-hmm. He's not a couch potato deity. Mm-hmm. He's a God who is busy hovering. The Spirit of God hovered over the face of, of the earth, right? Yeah, yeah. He was working, and, and he was busy. And when he when it came time for him to create me, he wanted to make sure that I was about what he's been about, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I need to understand that, I, that, that I should see that wired into my DNA, that I should be somebody who is driven, somebody who wants to contribute to the world, yeah. somebody who wants to leave a mark, right? Yeah. That, that's how you know that you're heading in the right direction. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, with, with that being said, what, I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that were, that I said I want I to talk about, like this idea that us being on this side of the fall, right? And, understanding that the story of God does not start at the fall, right? That there was um, a cultural mandate given to us before sin came into the picture. And I, th- I think you did a beautiful job of kind of articulating how sin kind of distorted that and made it a little bit more complicated. Um, but how do we understand as Christians, not just our, our uh, responsibility to mirror God as image bearers, um, but just our significance in the world and how we're called to uh, be a part of it and, and build and create and inspire and uh, lead and, and, and all these things. Like, what, what, like, how do we, you know, when I think about Christians, I don't really see them as the, the forerunners when it comes to um, technology, when it comes to innovation, when it comes to um, the education world, when it comes to like all these different departments. And what do you think the Christian's role is? Like, do you, do you think that part of 
reflecting God is is really taking a hold of these different as- aspects of life and contributing in a way that makes the world a better place? Um, and if so, how do we do that working with those that aren't necessarily um, they're image bearers, but not uh, they're not they don't have the same value system. They don't have the same God. Uh, they don't have the same convictions. Like, how do we do that in a world or with people uh, that that don't necessarily see things from the place we do? Well, I think by by realizing that that's the one place we have a commonality mm-hmm. between Christians and non-Christians. Mm-hmm. The fact that we're we're image bearers of God. Yeah, um, that's good. You see, in our work, we're the one of, see, to be an image bearer is to be a worker. Mm-hmm. Right? So when someone says, there, it's not like there are some image bearers who are workers and there are some who are not. Mm-hmm. That's why Paul said, anyone who does not work in the New Testament, it's, he says, it's, not only does he say, let him not eat, mm-hmm. he says, he's, he's denied the faith and he is worse than an infidel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you hear that? Yeah. Why was Paul saying that? Because Paul had a robust theology of work yeah. that is rooted in the creation account by virtue of how he was that we were made in the image of God. Yeah. And he's saying, do you realize by not engaging in work, by not giving yourself to work, you are, it's like a defamation of character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You are bringing a reproach upon not only the God that created you, but how he created you. It mm-hmm. is like in his face yeah. to not do that. Yeah. Right? And then for someone who calls themselves a Christian to not enter into that enterprise along with non-believers, right? Yeah. Is, is just, it was the greatest offense. And that's why Paul had to say what he said. So in our work, we're to show off God's excellence. Yeah. We're, sure, we're to show off God's creativity. Yeah. And we're to show off God's glory to the world. Yeah. Right? And I and and this is not about, you know, evangelizing. It's not about any of that. It's mm-hmm. about simply um, bringing excellence wherever we do. Yeah. And yeah. wanting to do it to our utmost. Remember what, what Paul said, whatever you do, mm-hmm. do it as unto the Lord. Yeah. Work heartily. Right? Yeah. We're, we're to bring excellence. Yeah. And I think that's something that we could we can join with non Christians in doing. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Dorothy Sayers, who was someone who was a contemporary of C.S. Lewis, said the only Christian work um, that's good is is good work well done. Mm. Mm. That's so good. The only Christian work is good work well done. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And I and I think I think that that is something that is is very important to 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 keep. Uh, in mind, Martin Luther King Jr. himself is known for having said at one time, if it falls to your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep the streets like Michelangelo painted pictures, mm. like Shakespeare like Shakespeare wrote poetry, mm-hmm. like Beethoven composed music, sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, wow. here live a great street sweeper who swept his job well mm. in Mm, mm. Again, I think it's, it's a renewed mind that needs to be taking place. And notice what brings value into our work is not how much we get paid, Come on. the kind of work we do in the eyes of the world. Mm-hmm. It's whatever you're doing, 
remember, the only Christian work is good work well done. Yeah. Right? So whether you're you're a merchant or you're a shoe cleaner or you're a farmer or whether you're a tailor, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. It could be done to the glory of God. Yeah. That's good. So I see I see how, you know, we are to um, integrate um, the, the, the secular and sacred in the workspace. What, what does that look like? Uh, what's a healthy way of looking um, at this from uh, when we talk about entertainment? How do we consume? How do we engage? How do we celebrate? How do we, you know, protect? Um, you know, how do we you hear what I'm saying? Like, how do we uh, navigate yeah, yeah. in that? You know, when it comes to work, I see it. But when it comes to entertainment, I think it gets a little tricky, right? When it comes to social media, when it comes to, to, to music and to movies and to TV shows and different things like that. Like, how are we to integrate integrate the secular and the, and the sacred? Yeah. These are all aspects of what the emotions have referred to as God's common grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, God's common gifts. That good gifts that are here in this world. Can I have had it with them, or do I have to stay away from it? Right? Yeah. Um, and we have to distinguish between saving grace and common gifts. Yeah. Can we can we common do that? Grace, yeah. Common grace views all of life in God's good world as a gracious gift to His creation, mm-hmm. both Christian and non-Christian. And we have to keep that in mind. Yeah. Common grace is integral to our Christian faith and makes possible a coherent understanding of ordinary, everyday life. There's a, 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 one author, Stephen Garber, who, man, I tell you, he insightfully distinguishes saving grace from common grace, mm. while at the same time capturing its beauty and, and wonder. And he writes mm-hmm. in one of his books, he says this, and I quote, uh, and so the sweet smile of a baby, hmm. the tender embrace of a mother, the passion of a kiss, the smell of bread baked and meat grilling, the <laughs> glories of the sea and the sky, the gift of good work that satisfies souls, the ordered safety of sweet lights and sweet limits, hmm. the wonders of good novels and good music, the miracles of x-rays and gentle care, the bright yellow daffodils and the pastels of foxgloves, the steady support of friends mm. and the enduring affection of a spouse, mm. the accountability of justice mm. and the responsibility of citizenship, and on and on mm. and on. Mm. Each are common graces. Mm-hmm. They do not save us from our sin, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they are gifts of God, and we see them as that every mm. day, end mm. quote. See, you see, he, he's on to something, isn't he? You see, the doctrine of common grace is a biblical truth grounded in the very character of the triune God that we've been talking about all throughout this program. It's tethered to creation, and it's reinforced in redemption. You yeah, see? So yeah. common grace is unmerited favor and goodness extended to all people yeah. made in the image of that triune God, yeah. regardless of their eternal destiny. Yeah, common yeah. grace was able to affirm the goodness of God's world and every human being who's been crafted in the image of God, even if they're non-Christians. Yeah, right. So, yeah. though fallen and corrupted by sin, 
every image bearer has intrinsic value mm-hmm. and is to be respected and valued regardless of behavior or beliefs of theirs. Right? Yeah. So I think that's what Jesus is talking about when he himself emphasized common grace mm-hmm. as it is extended to us as we are to offer it generously to others. Remember in Matthew chapter 5, when he said, But I say to you, love your enemies, mm-hmm. and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Why? Because he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. Yeah. He sends his rain on the just and on the unjust. Yeah. So by affirming common grace, Jesus is neither negating saving grace, nor is he advocating a kind of universalism. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, no doubt, yeah. shedding his own blood that those who believe in him might not perish, of course, yeah. but have eternal life. Yeah. But he doesn't gloss over the very real categories of people. You see? Yeah. And so he's able to show us, like, look, God doesn't look and be like, oh, no, there are non-believers there. Let me uh, not allow them to see my son, <laughs> right? Yeah. Let me keep my reign away from them. No, he allows generously. Uh, lavishly his reign or his son, which is another way of saying you're going to find people who are non-Christians talented yeah. with a, a beautiful voice or with the ability to, ability to have rhetorical literary skills in writing books and mm-hmm. novels mm-hmm. Or, or the ability to flow with lyrics that are going to be found on albums. Right? Yeah. 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 And so that helps us as Christians to be able to appreciate non-Christians who are undoubtedly gifted in all sorts of areas of yeah. culture. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me play devil's advocate for a second, um, just to kind of help. Yeah. Um, although that they might, although they're talented and they have intrinsic value and they have something um, that's of worth that um, is beautiful and it, it is worth. Uh, enjoying um, due to their fallenness are we are we do we like how, how do we reconcile our ability to engage with something like that like I'll, I'll give you an example and I don't know if this text if this is an out of context question but you know in first Corinthians 15 you see um, the, the culture of the day right in Athens and in Corinth there's just this uh, philosophy going around that there is no such thing as the resurrection and the way the culture was teaching uh, people was you know you know there's no way you can resurrect right there there you know the body is a limitation uh, the body is a hindrance right we are spirits and we we don't come back in bodily form and one of the things Paul says in in first Corinthians 15 is you know bad company, corrupts good character or good uh, morals, right? And he's, he's just kind of like letting them know, hey, don't be impacted or don't be influenced by some of the teachings of the day. Um, th- there There is a resurrection. You know, I mean, all of 15 is a case for the resurrection. And even this idea that if Jesus didn't resurrect, we have no hope. We have, you know, our faith is futile and so on and so forth. And so um, in a world that that's broken and, and we could, I mean, maybe... You know, there's an artist that can beautifully uh, craft a, a song, but maybe the song and the content in the song is not glorifying uh, to God, um, and, and it doesn't it doesn't um, 
it doesn't align with what he has for his believers. How do we reconcile that? Do we still enjoy it just because they have intrinsic value and, and the way they presented it or the way they crafted it or their their music their 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 gifts in in production or songwriting is good? Do we still just engage that even though they might not be promoting something that we as Christians um, champion or rally around or uh, go for? Does that does that kind of make sense? This is a question. No, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So what I would say is this. Um, again, we need to have a robust Christian world. Mm-hmm. And we have to bring in now the doctrine of reform. And even though we can affirm Genesis 1 and 2, people being made in the image of God, yeah. we can affirm um, the fact that somebody doesn't need to wait to become a Christian to begin to see great qualities yeah. in them, either yeah. in their character or in their talent. Yeah. That can be there before they're a Christian. Yeah. That's not the whole story. That's yeah. just part of the story. Yeah. We have to also factor into our theology. We have to have a, a notion of the fall, an understanding of, well, then how has the fall impacted this discussion, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's what accounts for that, right? Yeah. So we realize then that they're going to be able to only go so far. And where we see things problematic in our culture and in our society that may cause us to be concerned, we know why that is. Mm-hmm. That's We're seeing more of Genesis 3 showing up. Yeah. And that just goes to show you, with all of the good things that they have going for themselves, yeah. they're limited because they have yet to allow Christ to redeem not only them, but their work. Because yeah. Jesus doesn't just redeem our souls. He redeems the whole world, right? Yeah. He's redeeming everything about us, which includes our work, yeah. right? Yeah. And since they haven't been able to experience any of that, it's no surprise to me that I'm, however much I may be able to appreciate or acknowledge about them and their work, I know I'm, I'm bound to find things that are going to be concerning, concerning to me because mm-hmm. they're not saved yet. Yeah. And as a Christian, I need to be heightened in my awareness of that, and I need to be, you know, I, I just need to be privy to that. Yeah. So much of secular, much of secular music, to get specific, mm-hmm. does not meet the standard of, let's say, Philippians chapter four, verse eight, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is why I won't bother with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I may be aware of it. I may just want to know it, it's going on because maybe I want to be ahead of what my kids are going to listen to, yeah. or my congregation, or people I'm, I'm reaching out to. I just want to be sensitive and aware as to the spirit of the age, the zeitgeist. Yeah. But in terms of my own personal consumption, I'm going to steer clear from it. It's because I, I, my taste buds have developed now that I'm a Christian, mm-hmm. and, and you're going to have to do better to meet me mm-hmm. at my level. Mm-hmm. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've got great, you know, I, in other words, my my appetite is, is a lot more refined now that mm-hmm. I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to want someone to do better than that. So yeah. secular music does not meet the standard of Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, which is uh, the best place you could go to that could serve as a grid by which to run music through. Mm-hmm. Secular mm-hmm. music often promotes immorality and violence while belittling purity and integrity. So if a song glorifies the things that oppose God, yeah. a Christian should not listen to it. Yeah, yeah. However, there are many secular songs with no mention of God that still uphold godly values, yeah. such as, let's say, honesty, purity, yeah. integrity. These yeah. are good things. Yeah. I don't need to wait for the person to be a Christian yeah. to enjoy that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If, if a love song promotes the sanctity of marriage yeah. and or the purity of, let's say, true love, 
even if it does not mention God or the Bible or a chapter and verse, it can still be listened to and enjoyed. Yeah. That would be my take on that. Yeah. Whatever, whatever a person allows to occupy his or her mind will sooner or later determine his speech and his actions. Yeah. This is the premise behind Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, and Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 and 5. Yeah. Establishing wholesome thought patterns yeah. is the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, we should take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Yeah. Even the thought that comes forward from lyrics on a track. Yeah. Right? As yeah. I press play, I need to be taking those thoughts captive. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. So when I'm listening to Drake, right? Yeah. Or if, if I'm, you know, listening to Nipsey Hussle, or if I'm listening to Snoop, or mm. if I'm listening to Eminem, or if I'm listening to Rihanna, or, um, you know, uh, you name it, whoever yeah. is out there, yeah. uh, Bruno Mars, you know, I, I want to take every thought captive, mm-hmm. and I want to make it obedient to Christ. Yeah. What yeah. does that mean? I, I need to see, is this submitted to the Lordship of Christ, yeah. or is this are these lyrics a representation of someone who's like, no, I am not going to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Mm. Is this at enmity to Christ? Is this hostile? To Christ, or is this hospitable to Christ and His Lordship? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, See, mm-hmm. that's that's the question I'm I'm asking myself again and again. These scriptures give a clear picture of the kind of music we should not listen to. Yeah. Now, obviously, the best the best kind of music is that which praises and glorifies God. Yeah. Yeah. Talented talented Christian musicians work in nearly every musical genre, ranging from classical, to rock, to Mm. rap, and reggae. Mm -hmm. There's nothing inherently wrong with any particular style of music. It's the lyrics that determine whether a song is quote-unquote acceptable for a Christian to listen to. If anything leads you to think about or get involved in something that does not glorify God, my thing is it probably should be avoided. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let me, so... um, I think it was like 2016, I think was the year we were at a conference in St. Louis and you were, you were the speaker and it was like a breakout session. And, uh, you said something that till this day, um, you know, I chew on and, um, forgive me, I'm probably going to like butcher the quote. I, I, I'm praying that you remember it, but you said the difference between a worldly person and, and, and like a, a person that's not worldly is not necessarily, I think the example you were giving was one that uh, watches movies, right? You're saying the difference between a worldly and a non-worldly person is not necessarily what they consume, but what they take with them when they consume what they watch. Do you remember saying that, or do you remember that at all? Um, so yeah, I, th- I think I butchered the quote, but do, do you kind of, do, do you understand what I, or do you? But, I, I mean, I could still speak to it. Yeah. I don't know if I would say the exact same thing the exact same way, but I, I yeah. feel... I'm sure I, I represent whatever convictions I had at that time. I don't think anything has changed yeah. uh, since then. Yeah. I may just say it in a different way. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, I think we have a, a too simplistic idea of worldliness. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's not so much about, you know, do you go to theater or movies or not? Do you watch this or not? Yeah. Do you... Are you with people or not? I think that's too easy. 
you could be very worldly and not have ever gone to a movie theater. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and watched movies. Yeah. Right? So I think worldliness is far more a disposition of the heart yeah. in relationship to God than it is what you do or don't do. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when, Paul, when John, in First John chapter 2 says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Mm-hmm. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Mm-hmm. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of possessions, is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away along with its desires. Yeah. What, he, what, he's, what he's talking about is a heart attitude. Yeah. Right? Do these things, ha- are you in allegiance yeah. to things in this world that are counter to God? Yeah. And he's trying to say, you, you can't have an allegiance to God and claim his love in your life and at the same time have allegiance to things that are clearly stand opposed to God. Yeah, yeah. And those are in terms of values. The world there is the principle, the world, not so much this physical world like the mountains and the trees and the cities and the buildings. It's There's a philosophy out there. Mm-hmm. There's a value system out there. Right? Yeah. There's an agenda out here in this world that stands counter-opposed to God's agenda. And if you claim to be lockstep in agreement with, with that world, mm-hmm. while at the same time claiming allegiance to God, you, you can't. That's impossible. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. impossible. Yeah. So would you say, though, it is possible, though, to consume these things without being um, committed to them or claiming allegiance to these things. Um, and yeah, not- yeah, yeah, like, um, even this week alone, I've, I've checked out some uh, celebrities and athletes and rappers yeah. you know, on YouTube. I found out certain latest records that have dropped, and I, I want to catch it. But I, but I have, a, I have a, an agenda going yeah. in. Got you. Do you see what I'm saying? Got I don't you. just aimlessly, like the kid, lost, you know, downtown, just walking around wandering. No, no, I have an agenda. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I want to make sure that I can bring the gospel to bear mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. more effectively mm-hmm. to my audience, wherever my audience is. And therefore, I every city and every culture has their idols. Yeah. And yeah. I want to make sure that I don't just present some generic gospel. Yeah. I want to make sure I bring the gospel to bear where it could be felt the most. Yeah. And you you don't know, there's no better place to know the idols of a culture or a city than to know the people who make that culture. Yeah. Your artists. Yeah. Right? Your artists of various kinds. Yeah. They have the ear of the people who consume culture. Yeah. And so I want to know what is it about them and what they're communicating and the content that they're bringing yeah. to the marketplace that people are willing to spend money for. Yeah. That's getting their ear. I just want to know. And I want to know how does the gospel bring a counter value mm. to that? Mm. That, sa- that says, that's good, but this is better. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I yeah. hear that, okay, but this is better with, in Jesus and in the gospel. So that's why I listen, right? Yeah. But I don't listen because I'm dissatisfied with Jesus or dissatisfied with the gospel. For sure. That's so you good. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But the person, but but when you got somebody who's getting cold in their relationship with God, they're drifting in their relationship with God, the word and the gospel is becoming increasingly dissatisfying, unappealing, and interestingly, quote-unquote, 
at that same time, they just so happened to be downloading a lot of Nazis and stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. That, you know, I, I wonder why that is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that would be my thing. That would be my thing. Gotcha, gotcha. So, I mean... You... But right now, I could, right, in my case, I could be never, I, I could be, I could never be more satisfied with Jesus and the gospel, and at the same time, I'm interested in learning, yeah. you know, from these non-Christians, I mean, what's going on and what sort of appeal they have. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You see, you yeah. see, again, it's a hard attitude. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Motivation. Motivation. And... And, and that goes into even what you were saying earlier about like having a developed world, like a biblical worldview, right? The the more you're secure in your identity and you know whose you are, um, the the better you're able to navigate in these spaces because you're able to um, discern. Okay, this isn't something I should engage in. This isn't something I should, yes. you know. Yes, exactly. Yeah. This season of my life, I'm navigating so many spaces. Yes, I got accountability. Yes, I got people in my life who could speak into my life and make sure. Even me, I gotta watch out. I never, mm. you know, if, let any man who thinks that he stands take heed. First Corinthians chapter ten, verse twelve. Yeah. Let's be bold, right? Yeah. So I, I, I don't, I don't want to toot my horn and, and and you know make make it appear like I'm good and I could never stumble, I could never fall. So even I need to be careful. Mm. But I do feel like I do feel like because of where my relationship is at with God and what I've invested, mm. I I can actually navigate like like you said spaces. Mm-hmm. Right, that mm-hmm. helps me, so that I, you know, and so if that's a person out there in our audience who wants to do that, just then take your walk with God seriously. Invest yeah. in your relationship with God. Establish yeah. yourself. Have a robust relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Know your word well. Mm-hmm. Have a solid Christian worldview and biblical worldview, so that you can get out there and yeah. be in those places. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. And I, and I think that's part of the problem. I think we struggle in. Um, navigating not just entertainment, but like the 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 work field or our edu- even education is a huge one um, because we don't have a robust or we don't have uh, a healthy understanding of the Word of God. Um, let me let me let me ask you this: um, Can you speak to? I know growing up, you know, our parents always taught us, you know, read your Bible. You know, pastors, Sunday school teachers. Um, they always, you know, encourage us to read our word. And I think it, it's just gotten to a point where it's just like a checklist, right? Like it's just, it's something I do to prove I'm a Christian or to um, make me feel like I'm getting closer to God. Can you tell us the importance of knowing the word, especially if, if we're going to um, have the secular and the secular uh, sacred worlds intertwine? And if, you know, it's, it's I love what Jesus says, you know, his prayer before he goes to the Father is, "Don't take him out of this place." You know what I mean? Like they're called here, um, so he he doesn't want us to be delivered from culture. He wants us to be in culture, um, and as we're in culture, as we're in our college classes, as we're in our workplaces, as we're in um, these spaces where uh, entertainment is being. Um, uh, championed and in our face is like I mean it's everywhere it's like inescapable. Um, can you can you just speak on why it is important for us to have an important um, uh, convict like just a healthy conviction uh, on reading the word, understanding the word, and 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 having that be the means to which we know God, we know ourselves, and know the world in which we live in. 
Yeah, yeah, great question. It's found right there in that passage you just quoted in Jesus' high priestly prayer. Yeah. Uh, he not only said what you said, he also said, sanctify them. Yeah, yeah. Your word is truth. Yeah. Right? He said, Father, your word is truth. Sanctify them by your truth, your word. Right? And, and because he says, look, if I'm going to pray, Father, what he's basically saying is, Father, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be so daring as to pray that you not take them out of the world, but mm-hmm. that you keep them while they're in the world, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then I'm gonna want to also make sure that I add to that prayer another prayer, and that is give them the very instrument, the very means by which That's they could be ensured that they'll do fine while yeah. they're in the world. Yeah, yeah. And, and what is that? The world. Yeah. So it's interesting to me that he talks about both. Yeah. Right. And that goes to show you the importance of the word. Uh, for the Christian while still in this world. It's, it's to serve as a sanctifying agent. In other words, sanctification means, it, it, it means two things. Some people only understand one side of, of the coin of sanctification. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the stuff we're supposed to be staying away from. Mm-hmm. But that's not the primary accent of sanctification. Yeah. Although that's true, but you, you haven't got far enough if that's all you take away. Mm-hmm. The other mm-hmm. side of sanctification is this. It's what we're set apart for. Mm, it's not mm. so much what we're set apart from, mm. it's what we're set apart for, or I should say, who we're set apart for. That's yeah. God. Yeah. We're, we're, we, we now belong to God, and we're now here for God, right? We're yeah. available to God, yeah. right? Yeah. And that that's what sanctification is about. It's not so much what I, I abstain from, it's what I get to now do, mm. and who I get to do it for, yeah. right? Yeah. And the Bible helps me get there. And, you know, we got the whole cliche, sin will keep you from this book, or this book will keep you from sin. And But but that's true. And, mm, mm. and I love that. I love that old quote. You know, sin will keep you from this book, or this book will keep you from sin. Mm, mm. What I would say is, you know, God has given us his word. Right? So, all scripture is God's word. It's yeah. profitable. And, and it's profitable uh, for reproof. It's profitable for rebuke. It's profitable for correction, for instruction. Uh, and for training so mm. that the man or the woman of God may be complete, thoroughly yeah. punished, yeah. complete for every good work while they're here on this, on this earth. In other words, we got, God has given us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. Yeah. And so to, to be somebody who does not allow the Bible to have the place God wants it to have in my life is to be a malnourished Christian. Mm. You're, you're not going to be able to be maximally used while you're here on this earth, you need God's word in you, and you need to be. Yeah, that's good. Good. I, I got so th- this might be a curveball, but I, I I just remembered it's probably not a great segue. But I just like I, this is a question I definitely wanted to ask. Um, what would you say to people? I mean, this because this is a real like a, a real thing that gets brought up um, when it when we do talk about the secular world. Um, you know this this idea of the like the the you know, demons and spirits and uh, things like that, right? So, I mean, I mean, the big push for not listening to secular music is, you know, you might, you know, you might get, you know, I don't know, you might get these influences of of the demonic force coming in and ruining your spirits or messing with your spirits. Or, I mean, and, and another example that comes up too is, you know, we're we're in the process of church planting and we're looking through different buildings and. Uh, something that got brought up actually a couple of times from different people is, hey, do we really want to be in this space? You know, this space isn't necessarily a church. And do we want to catch the spirits that, you know, possess the space or 
or the spirits that possess the people that use the space. And, um, you know, I definitely had my answers and I definitely had my response, but I just kind of wanted to hear your take on it as well. What, what do you say to that when one of the fears in being in the world or, um, you know, even engaging in entertainment or engaging in, you know, even spaces like buildings or, you know, I remember one time too, somebody had, you know, told me, Hey, don't, don't go to a casino. You know, you don't know the kind of demons that reside there. You just want to stay from that place, you know, or different Chinese restaurants or things like that. Right. Um, how do we, how do we make sense of that? And how do we properly, uh, uh, view, um, the, the, the influence of the demonic, uh, realm and what that looks like as we're in culture? What I would say is, um, we, you definitely want to keep in mind and factor in. Remember, we talked about you got to have a robust theology, yeah. not only of our human nature as the fall. You need to have a concept, a category for fallen angelic beings. Yeah, it's not just here on this. It's not just us here on this earth. There, there are principalities and powers in spiritual places, wicked ones that yeah. are at work to assault and undermine God's purposes on this earth. Yeah. They're doing everything they can uh, to be about that. Um, and so we have to be mindful of the fact that Satan is alive and well. I don't want to be ignorant of his devices, yeah. Paul said. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, like Eve was in the garden. Yeah. And, uh, she was, she, I don't want you to be taken away from the simplicity as it's found in the gospel. Yeah. Right? And so that's, that's important. You need to be aware of that. Nevertheless, at the same time, I don't want Christians unnecessarily fearful mm. uh, um, of, of um, demons. Mm-hmm. I want them to be wise, mm-hmm. and I want them to be discerning mm-hmm. of the fact that he's active and he's alive and well, mm-hmm. right? He's like a lion, the Bible says, roaming mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. Seeking, seeking someone to devour. Yeah. The, the Bible tells us that. We're yeah. supposed to um, be sober, and we're supposed to resist him, firm in the faith. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so that's that's important. Right? So we, 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 we need to be, not be naive. Um, but at the same time, speaking to secular sacred divide with respect to buildings, this, again, has to do with that that sort of faulty thinking. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's, you know, a, a, a devil or a demon or a spirit hiding under a brick, <laughs> right? Or behind some drapes. Yeah. So I, I think I think we need to make sure where we're getting our categories from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we'd be surprised to know, like, where God's people in the first century were meeting mm-hmm. and what sort of places that they had, had to be. Yeah. And so I think we need to be more um, confident in the freedom that we now have as his people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the fact that we have Jesus, that itself dispels darkness and it dispels demonic activity. And to be honest with you, uh, demons are going to, sh- if, if demons or spirits are going to show up, they're going to show up in uh, First Baptist Church, <laughs> you know, that's a traditional 400 year building that's only been used for church, mm. not just church, but church. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like like it will be like it will be some some storefront or some building downtown, mm, right? Mm, um, mm. So I mean, 
when you when you watch these deliberate services going on, you know, where are they happening? In churches. Yeah. yeah. They're not in bars. Yeah. Right? yeah. So apparently the the fact that these Christians are worshiping and meeting in in what they would regard as church a church place, mm-hmm. that didn't seem to stop the spirits or the demons from showing up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. In bars. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. You look at these places in Africa or these other places in Latin America or these other places in East Africa. Yeah. Right. So that. Yeah. So that. So I. I. I would not go operate off of that. That sort of way. Of For sure. That's good. That's so good. Well, do you do you have any last thoughts you want to share in regards to this? Um, you know, I know, you know, we scratched the surface or we barely scratched the surface on a lot of uh, the things we brought up. But I think it's a good it's a good conversation starter and it's, it's a good place to uh, begin to think through some of these things. Um, but do you want to end off by sharing anything in regards to the sacred secular divide? Um, man, I would just say it was just a blessing. Uh, yeah. To be able, and I just want to encourage everybody. Just uh, to let that person know out there, you know, God calls you to the kind of work that you need most to do and that the world most needs to have done. Mm-hmm. And uh, just know that God is first, your, your first calling is to God. Yeah, yeah. And he, he's not only your creator, he's your caller. Mm, mm, uh, mm. And he's not only the creator, he's the caller. Mm-hmm. The one who calls you first and foremost to himself, and when he calls you to himself, he calls you to something. Yeah. And he calls you somewhere. Yeah. And just be encouraged and know that you can trust him, and you can know that he didn't just save you for heaven, mm. he also saved you for this earth. Come on, yeah. Just, just be encouraged and know that your life is meaningful, and your contribution to this world is also meaningful and mm. that spans beyond Sunday morning service yeah, yeah 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 that's so good well thank you once again for joining us on Shaping the Culture it's a true honor to have you on here Neb um, and thank you for the audience for tuning in this episode uh, you'll hear from us next week until then peace and family peace and love family <laughs>